We're getting you ready for New York Giants training camp. I'm joined by Ed Valentine of Big Blue View as we talk about the top stories, what to expect, and much more on today's episode of Locked on Giants that's coming at you next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chena. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day or for watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, July 26th. You know what that means. Yes, it means the New York Giants are reporting to training camp today. That's right, folks. We've made it. Players report today. The veterans report today. The rookies were in last week. First practice is tomorrow, and we are ready. And when I say we, I'm also speaking for, I think, safely, the gentleman on screen with me, my good friend, Ed Valentine, who is here to help me break down some of the key storylines of training camp and some of the expectations. Edward, always good to see you. Oh, good to be on, Patty. It must be a big deal if you and I are uh, are, are doing a show here. We we don't do very many anymore, so this must be a big deal. Well, I know it's because you don't like me as much as you used yeah, to. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> but I tell you, folks, I told you he was going to bust on me. It's a staple of these shows when Ed and I get together. But seriously, we we go back a long time, Ed and I, and we're 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 buddies. At least I think we are, right? Are yes, we, we are. Yes, okay. we are. We're buddies. Right. Just just checking. Got to check every so often. <clears throat> so, <laughs> Edward, let's talk New York Giants training camp. There's a renewed sense of energy around the building, but you know, let's be frank here. We there was this renewed sense of energy when um, Joe Judge came in. There was a renewed sense of energy when Pat Shermer came in. There was a renewed sense of energy when Ben McAdoo came in. What do you think makes this quote unquote renewed sense of energy different from previous starts of coaching regimes? Well, to be honest with you, Patty, that that is a quote you know storyline that I'm kind of tired of the whole renewed sense of energy because everybody's on their P's and Q's when, when a new coaching staff comes in. So it, it's, it's kind of an old storyline. I mean, there may be some truth to it with, with different regimes. I think the thing that, the thing that makes you want to believe that this is different is that at least for me, I've looked at the giants for a long time and said that they've, they've tried to put band-aids on their situation. I, I did a show the other day and I, and I talked about, you know, you get your tires changed every so often. And, and, and I, I compared it to the giants, you know, changing one tire or two tires instead of changing all four. And I think the thing that makes this different is that the giants for the first time, you know, in all the years that I've been covering this team, you know, sort of said, okay, we need a real overhaul. We're bringing in a new GM, you know, changing the front office, changing the coaching staff, bringing in a lot of new players. So it's really the first time in the 15 years I've been doing this that, that it feels like a full, fresh restart. 
15 years, huh? Wow. Yeah. 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 15 been years. Long. <laughs> yeah. Long I, I, there, there's, there, there's a, there's a, a snarky comment there, Patty, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. About me being <laughs> here for 30 years. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. No, but seriously, Ed, I mean, you're right. It, it, it's, it is different. It is a full blown refresh, restart, if you will, whatever you want to call it. You had the GM and the head coach on the same page. They came from the same organization uh, prior, probably had the same philosophies when it comes to roster building and managing roster. It's something this team that I know you called for after Tom Coughlin resigned. I know I was on board with you know them doing a full repress, uh, restart, if you will, and, and they just never did it. And, uh, you know, like you said, they kept slapping Band-Aids on uh, a wound that just gradually over the years got bigger and bigger and bigger. All right. Let's talk about a storyline that probably you're also sick of talking about, but one that we do have to discuss, and that is the quarterback situation with Daniel Jones. Now, I don't know about you, but probably after Saquon Barkley, I don't know that there's a more polarizing figure on this team than Daniel Jones. Some people just love him. Some people can't stand him and they have him out the door already. Daniel Jones, when you look back at at his career to this point, how much can you realistically say is on him versus how much is a result of his circumstances? And do you think that he can finally pull it all together, that he finally has the stability, the talent around him and all the intangibles that he supposedly didn't have those first few years of his career? Oh, Patty, that is the the million dollar question. And I guess when it when it comes to to quarterback play, the 30, 40, or 50 million dollar question. <laughs> the uh and, and I think you know that's the answer that the Giants are still looking for. I think that what we know about Daniel Jones is he's not Aaron Rodgers, he's not Justin Herbert. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not probably ever going to be, you know, a, a top five, top six. You know, if you if you tier quarterbacks like Mike Sando in the Athletic did this morning, um, he's not ever going to be a tier one guy. At least I don't think he's going to be a tier one guy. That, but he's also, in my view, you know, Mike Sando on in, in on. Uh, on the athletic, he had Daniel Jones as the number 30 ranked quarterback. He had, uh, you know, he had guys like, uh, you know, he, he had him below Jameis Winston and below, uh, you know, some of those, some of those guys, but I don't think he's that bad. The question is, what is the ceiling for Daniel Jones? He's never going to be a guy who lifts an entire team. I don't think who, who wins, with horrible circumstances around him. I think we've seen that. I think, you know, we've seen that he he needs help. The question for me is what is the ceiling if he gets that help? Is he a top 12 kind of guy? And I just don't know. John Mara's right that they've done everything possible to screw this kid up. They've never given him a functional offensive line. He's never had a truly healthy, real version of Saquon Barkley. He's never had healthy quality wide receivers the last two years I don't think he had a coaching staff that really wanted to turn him loose 
So, so I just don't know what the ceiling is. And I think that's what the giants want to find out this year. Like I said, I think it's, he's not for me, a bottom tier guy, but he's not a top tier guy either. The question is, you know, how, how far from that middle can he rise? And I just, I just don't know the answer yet. Yeah. Keeping on, on the topic of Daniel Jones, you know, there's a belief that, you know, you look around the league and there are exceptions, obviously, but ideally, you know, you want your team to start ascending while the quarterback is on his rookie contract. Daniel is in the final year of his rookie deal. The Giants declined his option year. Do you think that maybe at the end of the year when they have to sit down and make a decision, how much of that do you think factors in? Because obviously, you know, let's say Daniel, best case scenario, has a great year. Do you tie up like a five or seven year deal in this kid for, for 30, 40 million a year, whatever, you know, the going rate is for quarterbacks on one year, or do you just say, you know what, let's start fresh. Or do you, do you maybe give him a shorter contract? I mean, what do you do if he, if all things fall into place? Well, Patty, the way that, the way that I have looked at it, I think there's an, there's a possibility that Jones can be the Giants quarterback after this year. But but kind of as you said, he's got to have that great year. Not a middling year, not a not an average quarterback year. He's got to have that that outstanding season for me. And it's for a lot of the reasons that that you talked about. It's the salary cap, the money that you have to tie up in a quarterback, the reality of the fact that a new regime you know, wants to, if they're going to go up in flames, a new regime wants to do that with their own guy. They don't want to do that with somebody else's guy. You know, if, if they, they want, they want their guy and, and obviously they're going to, you know, Joe Shane, Brian Dable are going to give Daniel Jones a chance, but he's not their choice. You know, he was here. So I I think odds are against Daniel Jones, you know, being the Giants quarterback after this year. I think it makes it makes a ton of sense if the Giants are in position or can get into position, you know, in a year when there are supposed to be, you know, some decent quarterbacks, you know, some some top quarterbacks coming out in the draft. It it makes a ton of sense to go that way. Um you know, I like Daniel Jones. I like the kid. I think he's got a great attitude. I think he's, I think he's a better quarterback than the Giants have allowed him to show. But he's got to do a lot this year for me, you know, to prove that he's worth that kind of big money that quarterbacks are getting. Yeah, and and you're right. The odds are stacked against him because you know, look, if he was just starting out his career, year two of his career, even. Maybe, just maybe, you know, there'd be a little bit more patience, but but it's year four. It's year and it's, four. And, exactly. and it's a new and it's a new GM, it's a new front office, it's a new coaching staff, a new offensive-minded coaching staff. And 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 if he doesn't show them everything they want, they're gonna want their own guy. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked On Giants podcast. But first, if you are living Paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it can be really stressful when the unexpected expenses come up. Now, Dave can help get you out of a pinch when you really need it. 
Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and you need a little extra help, download Dave. That's D-A-V-E from the App Store or from Google Play. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. Future you will thank you. Terms and conditions apply. Instant transfer fees apply. Visit dave.com slash legal for complete information. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. Well, what does he need to show? Let's let's go there. You know, a lot of fans say, well, what does he need to post as far as numbers? I'm not so sure numbers is, is going to be the deciding factor, but what do you think he needs to show to to qualify and say, hey, I am the guy? I've said the same thing, Patty. I don't think, you know, people have asked me, you know, what numbers does he need to put up? And and I can't give you numbers. I can't say you know, 25 touchdown passes to 12 interceptions and, and 4,000 yards passing is enough. I, I can't, I can't say that. Um, I think bottom line, you'd like to see the giants be at least a middle tier offensive team this year. To me, to me, it's really the eye test. Does he look like a guy you can win with? Does he look like a guy who's helping the Giants win games? Does he actually help them win a couple games? Are there a couple comebacks in there, you know, late, late in this, you know, late in games? You know, does the does the offense look like a winning offense? And you know, to me, that's to me, to me, it's the eye test. I can't put numbers on it. The one thing when it comes to Daniel Jones, the one thing that I'm a little bit tired of talking about is the turnovers because to be honest with you when you look at the turnovers he was a turnover machine as a rookie fumbles things like that you know he's thrown a bad ball here and there in the last couple of years and 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 he's fumbled a ball every now and then but his turnovers the last two years have gone down both years to me, it's not the turnovers anymore. It's it's let's make some plays. Let's score some points. Let's, you know, let, let's let's hit on some big plays and and have some games where we where the Giants score more than thirty points and and look like an offense that that can you know that can win games. Yeah, and and you're right. I mean, you can't put numbers to it. It is the eye test. Now, a player who maybe you can put some numbers to making into factoring into a decision regarding his future is Saquon Barkley. We know what Saquon Barkley can look like when he is healthy. We kind of saw it in his rookie season. We have not seen it since partially due to injuries, partially due to the offensive line, which, you know, they have remade again. That's another topic for another discussion, Mm -hmm. but what do you need to see from Saquon Barkley to say, okay, you know what, we'll consider re-signing you. Obviously not, you, you can't pay the guy, I don't think, like, like the top paid uh, running back because that has proven not to work in many circumstances. But what does Barkley need to show? And do you think he has a future here regardless of what he does? Oh, I think, oh, that's, that's two difficult and entirely different questions really is because 
to me, to even consider it, Saquon Barkley needs to be healthy almost all year long. If he misses a game, whatever. But but if he suffers another injury that costs him four or five weeks, six weeks, that limits him throughout the season, you know, that, then that's a, a big problem for me. Um, the other thing that that you need to see is what we didn't see last year when he was on the field. He was not really a true difference maker last year. There were. I think there were times when you and I were watching games at, at MetLife, Patty. I think there were times when I when I turned to you a few times during the season and I said, you know, in 2018, Saquon Barkley doesn't get tackled there. What I need to see from Saquon Barkley to even consider it, and again, I'm not putting numbers on it. You know, if you want to say 1,500 yards of total offense over under, I think that's right around where his 2019 season was. Um, and I think the Giants would sign up for that in a heartbeat. But you need to see Saquon Barkley be a true game-changing, difference-making player to even consider that second contract. The problem for Saquon Barkley fans and people who want Saquon Barkley back, Joe Shane and Brian Dable come from a place that really didn't value, didn't pay the running back position. So to me, I think I think Joe Shane is, is not going to really want to put that kind of investment into the running back position. So so I don't so for me, I mean, I don't know if there's anything Barkley can do because I think that even if he has a great year. Uh, I think that that you know that Joe Shane is still going to think long and hard about giving him a second deal. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I have one more question about the offense, and then I want to quick touch on the defense. And that the question about the offense I have is the offensive line. Now, for as long as I can remember, since the last Super Bowl, they have attempted to fix this offensive line, and every year the question comes down to better or different, and it's just been different. It hasn't been better. When you look at what Shane did this past offseason to fix that line, you know, they added Evan Neal, they signed a bunch of veteran interior guys. Do you like the approach he took? And are you leaning towards better or are you still on the different train? Uh, I'm leaning towards better, Patty. The one thing that I have learned over the years is I will not use the word fixed. Because the offensive line, and I think this is a mistake that the Giants made a year ago, the offensive line is, is in reality, never completely fixed. Because the, the offensive line that the Giants had back in the 2007, 2011, you know, glory days during that run, where those guys played every single game together for years and years, that just doesn't happen. You have to continue to supplement that position. There's going to be somebody new in there or two people new in that starting group almost every year. So I won't use the word fixed, but I think this line has the potential to be better for the simple reason that you've got young, talented, 
top tier draft choice guys as bookends at both tackles. You know, I'm bullish on where Andrew Thomas is going in his career, provided that his ankles, you know, is not a long-term issue, which, which, you know, cross your fingers. I don't think it's going to be. And, and the more I've thought about Evan Neal, you know, as the pick for the giants at seven, um, you know, I was a big, I, I thought maybe the Giants would go for Charles Cross, um, but uh, you know Iki Aquanu was a guy that I loved coming out of the draft. But the more I've thought about it, Evan Neal was the perfect pick because he's a plug and play right tackle. He's a guy that should that should be you know he'll, he'll have bumps because it, he's a rookie. It's not going to be perfect, but but I think that that that. Offensive line now has something that every team in the NFL is looking for, which are bookends at at the tackle positions to build around. Yeah, fingers crossed. And, you know, the, the key thing, like you said, they got to stay healthy. Right. Injuries just absolutely right. wreck them. And I think it's good that, you know, they now, brought in a guy, guys that have familiarity with with uh, you know Bobby Johnson and or Brian Dable, so there are there are questions in the middle, Patty. Obviously, yeah. there are questions in the middle. John Feliciano is a guy who's never been a full time starting center, and he's a guy that, despite all the nice things that Brian Dable and Joe Shane and Bobby Johnson have said about about him, he's a guy that Bills benched last year. Yeah. All right, um, you know Shane Lemieux. He gets his back up when you mention pro football focus grades from two years ago, but he was awful as a rookie. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I think Shane Lemieux can develop into a good player, but, but there are questions in the middle. The good thing is I think that Joe Shane went out and he brought in a lot of options. He brought in a lot of guys that have played a lot of football, so they should be able to piece together something adequate in the middle. So, so we'll see, but it, but I won't use the word fixed because I'm looking at that offensive line and I'm thinking, you know, somewhere in the first two days of the draft next year, they need to go out and find an interior player. Ideally a center, somebody who's done Mm -hmm. it, been there, done that. Yeah. Unless they're, unless they're counting on Nick Gates long-term, which I just, which I don't think you can, but yeah, but yeah, they need to find an interior player to, to, to anchor that line. So I won't, so I won't use the word fixed. All right, Ed, let's talk quickly about the defense. And then I want to get a final take up from you regarding uh, training camp. You look at Wink Martindale, he basically has said that they want to be aggressive. They want to dictate to the offense, what they have done, what the offense does. We've heard this before from just about every defensive coordinator. They use the word aggressive. How is Wink Martindale's definition of aggressive, do you think, going to be different from what we've seen in the past? And does he have the personnel to be that type of aggressive? Well, it, it's really interesting, Patty, because, you know, Patrick Graham was a really good defensive coordinator. Patrick Graham was not what you would call aggressive in terms of, you know, getting after the quarterback, in terms of blitzing, in terms of, you know, sending, being willing to send six guys, being willing to expose his cornerbacks. He was aggressive in using his secondary 
to try to bait quarterbacks. You know, he would he would try to scheme ways to trick quarterbacks. You know, he would play some softer zones. He would, you know, he would try to fool quarterbacks and just try to tackle what's in front of you and 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 hope the offense would make a mistake instead of a lot of times trying to force that mistake. Wink Martindale is going to try to force that mistake regardless. And you know, we've seen situations and, and everybody's excited about that. The players are excited about that. You know, fans are excited about that. Shoot, I'm excited about it. But, you know, sometimes that blows up in your face, too. And, and the big question is, do the Giants, I think the Giants have the pass rushers. They have enough people. You know, they have enough people with potential to rush the passer, especially, you know, it's driven me crazy. For years, you ask the question of of James Betcher. You ask the question of of Patrick Graham. Well, how do you get more pass rush? Well, guys just need to win their one on one matchups. Duh, right? Duh. Well, if you just tell them to plow straight ahead and you know and, and bang into the blocker in front of them, they're not going to win that matchup often enough. You know, you've got to do some things to to create confusion in the offensive line and. And I think Martindale will will do that. That's his history. the The question is, do they have the coverage guys in the back end when they don't get to the quarterback? Do they have the coverage guys, you know, so that they don't get exposed? and And I just don't know that they do, Patty. i i I think a Dory Jackson is a nice player. A Dory Jackson's not a difference maker. A Dory Jackson's not a guy that I would feel great about trying to have a Dory Jackson chase CeeDee Lamb around for a whole game or chase Terry McLaurin around for a whole game. Um, Aaron Robinson, I just don't know because we haven't seen it. What they have in the slot, um, you know, we keep saying, well, Darnay Holmes will start, but the reality of it is the Giants keep drafting over Darnay Holmes and trying to replace him. So how much confidence do they really have in the kid? You know, so so I just don't know that I would love to be, I, I would love to have seen this choice in the draft, Patty. I would love to have seen what the Giants would have done at number five if one of those two cornerbacks, if Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley had been on the board along with Kayvon Thibodeau, because Wink Martindale has said over and over and over throughout his coaching career that he values corners more than pass rushers. And, and I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a really, really good player. I just can't help but wonder if he would have been the choice had the Giants had an option to go get a cornerback right there. Yeah. I wonder about that too, but we'll never know, unfortunately. Nope, we, will, we will never know. All right, Ed, one more question for you, and then I'll let you go. With training camp getting underway, overall, big picture now, what does this team need to show on the final day of training camp for you to say, yes, they are headed in the right direction? Oh, I don't know, Patty. It, you know, it, to me, it just it, – I could answer the question the same way about the entire season. You just – you just want to feel good that things look organized, that guys get through camp healthy, or that most of the guys get through camp healthy. You, you want to feel like you're seeing 
you know, some production during the preseason games, you know, we've, we've seen, we've seen so many preseason games where, you know, if, if they put the first team offense out there on the field, they didn't get anything done, (laughs) you know, um, you know, show us something in these preseason games that we can hang our hats on. I don't care if you win them or not. Just show us something with the first unit guys. You want to see that, you know, that you want to see that these young guys look like they belong. You know, the, the draft picks, you want to see that they look like they belong. You know, for me, it's we said the same thing when Pat Shermer came in. We said the same thing when when Joe Judge came in. You You just want to feel like. You just want to feel like something's going forward and, you know, and, and hopefully we'll have that feeling coming out of training camp. You know, you and I have watched enough training camps over the years. We've, we've kind of shaken our heads a few times during practices and training camps and said, you know, what are they actually trying to accomplish out here? And I, I think you want to feel good every time you watch practice that, that, that they're doing something positive. Yeah. And just build a little bit each day, get better every day. I know it's a cliche, Mm -hmm. but it's so true. And and again, it's, it's, you know, people say, well, well, what makes a good season? What would make a good season? And, and, you know, for the, for the umpteenth time, I don't think you can put a number on it. Four wins is not going to make a good season. I mean, a really good season might be, if you want to put a number on it, Eight or Break, nine. Breaking that string of double-digit loss seasons. Yeah. Especially in a 17-game season. But, you know, you just, to me, you want to come out of the whole deal feeling like the players that Joe Shane drafted are guys, you you know, the, the top guys, Thibodeau, Neal, you know, Wondale Robinson. Feel like these guys are guys you can build around. You know, feel like some of the other young players that that are already on the roster are guys you can build around, or guys that you can go forward with. You know, maybe you win seven games, but you you just want to feel like like there are pieces in place going forward that you can win with. Amen, amen. It's got to start from the bottom. I mean, anybody who's thinking they're going to go from worst to first, I think that's a little too ambitious of a goal. Yeah. Not, not that it can't happen. Not Patty. that it can't happen. Yeah, you I know, know, I if you look at it, and you hate to keep comparing to Buffalo, but it happened in Buffalo in the first year with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and all of that, where they overachieved in their first year and backslid in the in the second year. It happens, sure, but but you can't look at this team and say they've got to win 10 games. They've got to make the playoffs, you know, because that's you're you're starting over again. So I, I wrote um, in a piece that actually will appear on big blue view on Tuesday, you know, one of my classic things, I think columns. And, and I wrote that really as much as people are excited about 2022, it's, all about it's 2023. not really about this year. It's about putting pieces in place and beginning to build something that happens that that you go forward with. Because did we get did we get fooled by Ben McAdoo in his first year? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did we get fooled by the four and four second half of the season with Pat Shermer in his first year? Yes. Did we get fooled by Joe Judge in his first year? Yes. 
and you go all the way back to Tom Coughlin. What did Tom Coughlin do in 2004? He blew up a chance to go to the playoffs in 2004 because he knew that there was something more important to do, which was get Eli Manning on the field and begin to look to the Giants' future. Yep. So it's not necessarily about this year. You just want to see things this year that you feel good about. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'll sign up for that, you know, single digit loss um, and, and keeping them healthy, which is another big thing, but uh, so much to look forward to as we get started for training camp. And Ed, I know you'll be there. I'll be there. Um, we'll have a lot between the two of us to, to talk about on our respective sites. He's Ed Valentine, Big Blue View. And of course, you can find me here on the Locked on Giants podcast, as well as over on Giants Country. So Giant fans, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast, making us your first listener of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Be sure you keep it here all week long. We'll have extra shows as needed to cover, to recap the day at training camp and also check out Giants Country. We've got plenty of stuff going on over there. Thank you for tuning in. Training camp starts officially first practice tomorrow. Make sure you tune in. Twitter, follow us on Twitter. We will talk to you again tomorrow, Giant fans. Have a great one.